0: Good morning. I'm the Reverend Joe Pagano. And for today's reflection, I'm going to read an excerpt from my new essay, which I've entitled The Solace of Landscape. For our last reflection, I uh, described a bit of our hike up Grossmorn Mountain, uh, where we were on the top. And in today's section, I described the end of our hike. <laughs> Uh, to Grosmore Mountain. I also spent a little time uh, talking about the story of the transfiguration of Jesus, which you may remember was uh, the lesson uh, for last Sunday, uh, the the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, which we always hear uh, before the beginning of Lent. So it's appropriate to um, reflect a little bit about that story um, before Lent begins tomorrow on Ash Wednesday. Several crucial events in Jesus' life are set on mountains. The temptation, the Sermon on the Mount, the Transfiguration, his arrest, the Great Commission. Echoes of Moses and the Sinai Covenant Reverberate in scriptural notches created by gospel peaks. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus appears as the new Moses, yet greater, much greater, more like the Lord revealed and hidden on Sinai. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus provides an authoritative interpretation of Torah. The Moses typology is unmistakable. Mountain, revelation, teaching. Indeed, Jesus assures the crowd that he came not to destroy, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. Not one yod or hook of the Torah will pass away. Yet, Jesus is also unlike Moses. Moses is summoned to the mountaintop. Jesus takes the initiative and decides to go up the mountain. On the mountaintop, Moses receives the law from God and goes back down to deliver it to Israel. Jesus remains on the mountaintop where he gives his own teaching to the crowds. No smoking clouds, flashes of lightning, or thundering of trumpets, just the lone figure of Jesus seated on the mountaintop, enthroned, and the clarity of his words descending upon the crowd. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth during the pandemic these words rain down like manna in the wilderness i pray comfort for all those who mourn the deaths of dear ones, near and far. I pray for the coming of the kingdom of heaven, for the poor of this earth, who endure daily and deadly injustices exposed by a global disease. I pray for essential workers, in large part the meek and vulnerable, struggling heroically to keep things from coming apart at the seams. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. On the Mount of Transfiguration, vision also gives way to hearing. After Jesus predicts his passion, death, and resurrection, He leads Peter, James, and John up a high mountain where he is transfigured before them. The veil lifts and the glory that belongs to Jesus flashes forth, his face shining like the sun. Moses and Elijah also appear talking with Jesus, the one who will be stripped of his garments is clothed in splendor. The one who will be crucified between two criminals is flanked by Moses and Elijah. The one who will endure the shame of the cross will be glorified in the fullness of the kingdom. For the disciples, however, apocalyptic vision leads to confusion. Bewildered, Peter suggests erecting three dwellings, shrine months, to prolong or memorialize the event, a heritage plaque of sorts, commemorating the day our Lord blazed on the summit with two celebrated biblical mountaineers. Wrong. Despite the profusion of Sinai allusions in the transfiguration, the ascent after six days, the trio of companions accompanying Moses and Jesus, their shining faces, Jesus's discussion of his exodus with Moses and Elijah. Peter forgets that the God revealed on the mountain remains elusive. Jesus just told the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, undergo great suffering, be killed, and on the third day be raised. As Paul tells us, to the eyes of the wise and powerful, God's self-disclosure in a crucified Lord is scandal. Folly hidden. Peter sees the transfigured Jesus, but he does not understand. He babbles about buildings. God cuts Peter off mid sentence. While he is still speaking, a bright cloud overshadows them. Even Peter couldn't miss this. Sinaitic sign of God's presence. Visibility deteriorates as God's Shekinah enshrouds the mountaintop. God speaks out of the cloud. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. As vision falters, the encounter becomes auditory. The same words spoken at Jesus' baptism, identifying him as son and beloved servant, are spoken on the Mount of Transfiguration. But this time, an emphatic, listen to him, is added. Hear. Listen. Follow. Follow. Don't build a tent on the mountaintop that you can visit occasionally on a sunny day. Listen to the words of the Sermon on the Mount and do them. Listen to what he just told you about needing to go to Jerusalem to suffer, die, and rise again. Listen to what he said to those who want to be his followers. Take up your cross. And follow me. The vision on the mountaintop falters. The hearing and doing and following keeps us connected to Christ always. At the very end of Matthew's Gospel, the risen Lord meets the disciples on a mountain in Galilee. He gives the great commission go make disciples baptize and for the first time jesus commissions his disciples to teach teach them everything that i have commanded you teach them to hear listen follow then jesus reminds them that he is with them always even unto the end of the age the mountaintop experiences in the gospels are not so much about the disciples going up but about god's love coming down beatitudes descend upon the crowd god's son the beloved must go down the mountain to jerusalem where he will suffer die and rise again we do not need to go up the mountain to be to build a dwelling for jesus the word became flesh and dwelt among us when the disciples hear the voice of the lord on the mount of transfiguration they fall to the ground in fear and reverence they prostrate themselves before the Lord. It is then that Jesus comes to them and touches them and says, "Get up, and do not be afraid." The disciples look up and they saw no one except Jesus alone on the top of gross morn. This is my pandemic prayer that Jesus would come to me and touch me, that I would hear his voice say, Get up and do not be afraid, that I would look up and see no one except Jesus alone. It is about three in the afternoon. We have only a few hours of daylight left to get back to our car before the sun sets. I pull the laces on my boots as tight as possible to prevent jamming my toes on the descent. I say a silent prayer that Jesus would keep us safe on the way down. I pray the words from Compline for all those who suffer because of this terrible disease. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. I cinch my pack tight, and we head down the mountain.